This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls preview show in conjunction with the Reading Chronicle. Well, it's been a quite decent week and uh, to help me talk through it, I've been joined by Matt Joy from the Reading Chronicle. Hiya. Hello, Paul. How's it going, Matt? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a kind of good week for Reading, I'd say. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, on Saturday or last Saturday against Bristol City, especially in that second half, that's I did tweet out. I think that's the best half of football I've seen from Reading for a, a long, a long time. It was absolutely brilliant. You know, creative, um, d- defensively, really, really organised as well. And then going going forward, I mean, could have had a sort of four or five in that second half. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant showing. Um, obviously slightly different circumstances on Wednesday night against Sheffield Wednesday, which I'm sure we'll get on to. But no, I, I, a lot of positives definitely can be taken uh, over the last week. Yeah, I mean, let's get on to that game against Sheffield Wednesday on last Wednesday. <laughs> it's a kind of, there was a lot going on in that game. Um, even Tony Pullis said it was a red card as well, didn't he, in the first half there? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the, uh, the Sheffield Wednesday player can have many complaints about it. Um Obviously, most of the, the attention after the game was on the penalty shouts, four or so in the second half. I think two of them were, were clear as day, especially the handball and the tackle on Omar Richards. I think the Bulldog won. It was smart. It was smart play from Bulldog to get across his man, but yeah. I think Reading fans would probably be disappointed if that was given against Reading. And then the one on Josh Laurent, you know, he did did have a hold of of, of his man as well. So, but to, to miss those two was just bewildering I mean it, it was you don't like to to dig out referees I think because you know it's a very very tough job and obviously they don't have the the ability to, to in the in the championship to you know watch the replays and they have to make a decision on the spot but a really really disappointing showing I don't by any means think there's a vendetta against Reading and it was it was a deliberate you know ploy to to harm our harm our progress but it was um Certainly, the ref- not the referee's best night. It was a shocker. It was a shocker yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. second half. I mean, it's kind of like you watch it back, and sometimes when you see get see them live, but the thing is, none of us are at the game. Mm. So if you're at the game, you might have a very different perspective. You could sit there and say, "Oh, I wasn't sure. I could see why he made those decisions." Yeah, that—that's as I said, that is the thing. I mean, it, when you have when you see it sort of three or four times on the replays and then it's discussed on, you see the clips of it on Twitter and then you see all the social media reaction that can certainly give you a, a good idea of or a good barometer of, of what the decision should have been. Um, referees do have a very, very tough job, but that was yeah, very, very poor calls from the referee. But I did actually think that Sheffield Wednesday didn't, didn't play badly at all. I thought they played really well. I think considering they were down to 10 men, they really... Un- you know, it was a negative performance in the second half, but what do you expect? And they were holding on for a point and they did so very well. They squeezed the attacks, didn't give us many opportunities sort of in and around the area. Um, but it, it, I think it's testament to how strange of a game it was that we come away from it 
having been a man up for an hour, dominating, uh, not picking up the three points. And there wasn't many complaints about the performance. I mean, my player ratings were <laughs> quite high throughout. It was just, just couldn't, couldn't get through, but not a bad performance at all. It was, it was a very, very strange game. Yeah, it totally was. I mean, I've said on the pods after this, after that match, that despite the results and the frustration, it's still very positive because we've shown consistency in two matches now. Um, we complete, we, I felt that we were dominating Sheffield Wednesday, even though they scored. The one frustration I take from that match is we don't concede that goal from switching off a bit. Multiple players, mm. not horrendously, but just that tiny bit. And that's what kind of like damaged us the most, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of a... It, Tom Holmes obviously went forwards to, to join the attack. There was a lot of space in behind him, which was exploited. The cross came in. Arguably, the uh, Patterson should have been tracked closer, but you know the header went through Liam Moore's legs. It was just like... Oh. It was one of those where you think, yeah, that, it, that was just bound to happen, wasn't it? It was, yeah, I, I think... I wouldn't... I was I was unsure whether Reading were sort of dominate. We had the lion's share of possession, but weren't quite doing a a huge amount with it before mm. the red card. And Sheffield Wednesday were were looking a bit more dangerous on the break than obviously they did in the second period. But yeah, now after the red card, the game changed and um, Reading adapted to it quite well. I think you know it was the attacks. They didn't lack pace. They didn't lack you know the, the passing was crisp. It was just we couldn't get through. It was just one of those games where. Yeah, you look back and it's frustrating, but you have to you have to say Sheffield Wednesday, you know, fair play for for holding on, and yeah, I think both sides will be happy with the performance levels. Certainly, maybe not with the result, but yeah, with the performance levels, I thought both sides had had a good showing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, after the match, Planovic was talking about the possibility he'd like to see VAR, mm. VAR, whatever we want to call it, mm. the hell thing <laughs> in the championship. <laughs> I'm really not a fan of it. Initially, I like the idea of it, but now I've seen those horrible offsides. I'm, oh, I can't enjoy it, man. I, I, com- I completely agree. And, and as much as the decisions were so frustrating on Wednesday night, that is what makes football. That's the, you know, I mean, obviously people aren't really gathering in offices at the moment, but that's the water cooler talk. That is the, the talk that we all love. And, and those decisions will come back around and Reading will probably get a few in our favour throughout the season. But that is what makes football, that is the talking points that we, we do enjoy as much as it's frustrating. You don't really want to take that away. You look at what happened to the Premiership. I mean, I must admit, as a, you know, a neutral without any you know, real care about who does what in the Premier League, I actually find it hysterical. Whenever, whenever a decision goes, goes awry, I just sit there and laugh because I just think they've, they've spent so long trying to make this perfect foolproof system. Mm. And it's just backfired so much. I think it's, yeah, I think it's incredibly amusing. Uh, obviously, if I was a supporter of a Premier League club who was affected by one of those decisions, I wouldn't do, and I certainly wouldn't want to see it in the Championship. As I said, that, that you don't you, you don't want to see fans not being able to celebrate. Obviously, being able to return to the grounds on Saturday, that is what makes football and, and those contentious decisions. It's what we, uh, you know, it, it's difficult at the time, but when it goes in Reading's favour. Again, it's quite funny and it's quite enjoyable. So that is that's what makes football so great. It's it's about the conversations you can have afterwards. It's about it's about the debates, and it's not you don't want to see games being decided by lines on a screen and and a ma- you know a, a man trying to decipher whether a, a toenail was offside. It's just it's not what football's all about. I'm totally with you, Matt, on that. I, I don't like it. And if we had VAR in the championship, 
all those penalty decisions have come down to human interpretation anyway. Mm. So yeah, who knows? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and if, if we did have VIR in the championship, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure that there will be a couple of goals that we scored this year that may well have been yeah, a toenail off, as I said, a toenail offside yeah. in the build-up and that would have been disallowed and it, it changes everything. So, yeah, it's just, it's an unnecessary complication that I definitely would want to see in the championship. And, you know, it, it, it has made football, as I said, as a neutral, I do find it quite funny. Um, but I, I certainly understand the frustrations for Premier League supporters. What works is goal line technology. That's the thing that works beautifully. There's no unless thing. unless you're a yeah. Aston, was it Aston Villa Sheffield United last year when the ball yeah. went into the net and then Hawke didn't track. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that's the, when decisions can be made instantaneously. Then yeah, I completely agree. Um, the thing is with the, you know the offside call. Not meaning to go off on too much of a tangent, but people are saying you know why don't we change the offside rule to make it a, a clear you know, a clear line between defence and, and, you know, there's a clear day. But then what happens if there's an inch of daylight? You, if you're going to switch it around, then it's just going to have to be precise in a different area. So you can never really win. I mean, the ha- and the handball rule is just baffling, absolutely baffling. There's not much I can add to it that hasn't already been dissected thousands of times, but yeah, it's just... It's just trying to make everything too perfect and it has completely um, gone the wrong way. Yeah, I'm sure there's people listening and thinking that point you've just made there about handball, we would have probably got one for the Josh Laurent one. But let's move on to the game that we've got coming up on Saturday, which is tomorrow against Nottingham Forest. Wow. I don't think we need to make many changes at all, but I think that if possible, Yaku Mate will come back in for Semedo and then Elise in the middle. Do you think that's how it's going to work out? Yeah, I would have expected. So I think you look at how well Reading played against Bristol City with that lineup. That has got to be at the moment Pavlovich's starting 11. Um, it's a good sign that we, I think, if you look at seasons gone by, we, Reading could have been sort of two thirds, three quarters of the way into the season. And you think, Still not sure what the, the best starting eleven is. Mm. I think at the moment, without Swift yet, yeah, I think that's that's gotta be the the, the starting eleven. I think Samada had a, a good performance against Sheffield Wednesday, so yeah. I think all of the players did, but as we've discussed previously on the podcast, I think Yaku Mate just adds a different dimension to uh, to Reading's attack play. I think it also frees up Alise in the correct position. Yeah. He's okay in that right hand side, but I think he's another dimension in that middle. Yeah, I, mean, I think Mate, if at least he's very good in you know tight circumstances where he's got a couple of men around him, he's, he's good to sw- sort of you know get the ball out of his feet and either make the pass or, or take on his man. Whereas Mate, if it's kind of a one would be one down the wing, you know you, you want him to surge past his man, you'd probably back him on the, on in that area of the pitch a bit more than you'd back Michael Elise, just given his his skill set. So yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Um, Having a quick look at the stats, I mean, Forest are a team who do like to, you know, have a, a have had a lot of the ball in recent games, despite the fact that the um, results haven't been going in their favour. They've still been, you know, in and around the fifty percent mark, even against some of the, the top sides in the in in the uh, championship at the moment. So, it's not going to be necessarily a game where it's going to be you're going to need to find those spaces uh, with with a team that's sort of sitting back and and defending deeply. It might be a bit more open. And Mate might have a bit more of a chance to uh, 
to sort of get down the wing and switch the play and switch your, and switch your sort of the, the approach style, should we say? I would have put some stats out here. They're going to kind of really send fear through Reading FC fans' minds because we know how this works. Yeah. They are sat 21st in the league. Well, that sets off an alarm straight away. Yeah. They've also only scored nine goals in 15 matches. There's another one. And here's the worst one. They've only scored in two of their last six away games. Mm. Now, you see, that's a worry straight away, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. Because, again, on, on paper, you think, well, that's a home banker, so obviously it won't be. Um, but in, I think the last three games, they've had Swansea, Bournemouth and, and Watford. So it's mm. not exactly an easy run no. of, of late. And I think they've got, Norwich, I could be besnaken afterwards. So it's, you know, they're on a horrible run of fixtures at the moment. Um, but no, as you said, it, the, the, over the sort of the, the whole season so far, they, they've definitely not been up to scratch. Um, Reading will obviously be buoyed by the fans' return. You do think if there's ever a time that you're going to put Reading on your accumulator, it might, it might be tomorrow. Um, but as, as it's never that easy, is it, in football and, and especially following Reading? No, definitely not. So I think I've got to the point now with Reading FC. I'm just going to say, so how many more extra goals are we going to score apart from Lucas Jow? So we're going to give us one <laughs> goal. <laughs> I'm not even going to think about it. So I'm going to say one straight away. I'm going to go for 3-1. What are you going to say, Matt? Well, I predicted, I'm tempted to predict a defeat having predicted my first defeat yeah. this season. No, yeah. only because I predicted it against Bristol no. City and I was completely <laughs> wrong. Uh, no, I, I think the sort of, as Panovic has said, that new momentum that he wants to build, we're starting to see Reading get back into their stride and, and you've got to bat them tomorrow, even though it's on Sky Sports, obviously breaking that curse last week. Yeah, I think Reading, and I, actually, I, I like your prediction, I think I 3 1, I'll, I'll go with as well. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll be really glad to see the back of is the half 12 kickoffs. I do, yeah, know. no, it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it, it, I understand why Reading have been selected for so much sort of Sky Sports coverage, yeah. but it's no, it's not the same, and especially without supporters previously, it's definitely not been the same. You know, you, you're sort of looking around the press box, everyone's kind of still half asleep a little bit. Um, <laughs> but no, you do, I, I much prefer a three o'clock kickoff, but I think. No matter what the time of the kickoff tomorrow, I personally cannot wait to just hear yeah. some 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 fans back in the stadium. I mean, it's it's not been the same over the last what nine since since Reading fans were allowed in against Sheffield United sort of nine or so months ago now. It I've been very very blessed and very lucky to be able to still get to the get to the games and and, and still watch Reading. But you know, as I've said previously, I would have happily have given up my given up it to allow fans back. You know because it's not been the same. It's it's like watching a training session, and it that emotion is what makes football so great. That the release of joy when Reading score, the, the build up of excitement when you're pushing for a late goal. There's so many areas that you just you, I've desperately craved. I mean, there's so many times that I've thought, oh, the, you know, the ball might go out for a corner when Reading are on top, and you think, oh, what I would give now just to hear that roar. Mm. And it, it's it's going to be so good. I cannot wait. I, 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 I haven't been so excited for a game in a long, long time. Just just to see smiling fans. Well, I mean, they'd be behind masks, but just to see, <laughs> just to see though, Reading fans back in the seats. So um, one would hope that it, it doesn't go badly on the pitch because it might be a bit of an anti-climax and I'm sort of setting up to fail there a little bit. But 
that. It'd be so great to to see some Reading fans back in the seats, hear that noise, and for Paunovic to to obviously meet a few of the Reading fans, perhaps. It can't have been easy for him, and I think he's done a great, great job since he's come in. Given the circumstances, been such to to be able to unite a fan base in the way he has without actually meeting any supporters is testament to his work already. And I, you know, it'd be great for him to get to meet a few of the a few of the fans. And oh yeah, I, I can't wait. Yeah, you're really lucky going to these games. I'm sure you weren't saying that towards the end of last season when we were getting hammered. But <laughs> you know what, I. I, I I was. Uh, I think given how difficult this year has been for, for everyone, I mean, I'm lucky not to have been personally affected with, you know, any any of my loved ones. Um, but it, it has been such a, a difficult year. And to have that welcome distraction in my week and being able to have a sense of normality, seeing a few familiar faces in the press box, um, it was such a, a welcome relief for me personally. And it just could take your mind off the, the sort of the, the constant um, not knowing what's going on and, and not having a, a real idea of what may, what may happen within the next sort of month, within the next few months. It, it was such an uncertain time. So to have that, to be able to pull up to the Badeski stadium, to be able to see the same faces, to be able to hear the same music, uh, you know, before the match, to be able to, to engage with Royal supporters was such a such a welcome break for me um and to be able to now that 2000 Royals fans can also share that and obviously we're, there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel but by no means are we obviously out of the woods yet I, i'm i'm really i'm really hopeful that every reading fan going tomorrow will enjoy that first game back as much as i enjoyed the first game back against stoke i think it was even despite the result it was just yeah it's so such a pleasure to be able to go to the games and I'm so happy that 2000 Reading fans will be able to do the same tomorrow yeah you fully got me in the zone there Matt I'm really <laughs> really happy that for all those fans that are going I'm really pleased they'll be able to go it's another step nearer to normality we are going to get there the vaccine is coming so it's all positive we will make it through this and yeah. uh Ready to be back in the Premier League in the full house soon. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't tempt fate too much. <laughs> we live in hope, don't we? Cheers, Matt. Yeah. Pleasure. Right, and now it's time for our view from the opposition. And I've been joined by Stephen Topless from the 1865 Forest Ramble podcast. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm very well, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. And I guess your mood is slightly improved as well with your result in the week. Yeah, a goalless draw against Watford, which for us ended a run of three defeats on the spin. And yeah, it, it, even though we didn't score in that game and we actually haven't scored for the last four, it felt like there was some progress with that result and you could take some positives from it. I suppose Watford being the team they are, they could have gone top with the win against us. So to get a point really is, is not a bad result given where we'd come from before that game. Yeah, we'd quite like you to continue that non-goal thing <laughs> on Saturday, obviously. Oh, I bet you would. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see that you've only scored nine goals in 15 games. And I saw Chris Eden's comments after the match saying, backing up what you've just said there, saying that defensively and the shape and there's lots of positives, but they'd like to be a bit more threat in the final third. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one with us because when we started the season under Sabri Lamushi, we didn't look like we were doing much at either end of the pitch. Defending wasn't a strong point, whereas it had been last season. 
and we couldn't find the back of the net either. And then Chris Hutton's come in, and while we do look more threatening in attack, and we look like taking the game to the opposition more, we're still struggling to score. There is a stat going around. I think we've created the fourth most chances in the league, but awesome, but just haven't put put it away. Well, I think it's like scored the fourth least amount of goals in the league, but created some of the, the most chances. It's it's a weird stat, but it shows mm. you that perhaps Forrest, it's not that for the want of trying, it's just when they're getting into the final third, they're not finding the pass or the finish that they need. Yeah, on the so whole, they that... haven't been playing too badly. Okay, yeah, so you've noticed an upturn since obviously Chris Hooten came in, Lamucci left on the 6th of October. You're kind of satisfied with him coming in? He's a proven manager, is he, in this league? That's it, yeah. If, if you picked a manager who you'd want to manage you in the championship, I think most teams would, given a choice, they'd go for Chris Hewton. His record is, at this level, is pretty much exceptional. Playoffs or promotion in all, any of his four seasons in charge in the championship. So we, we couldn't have got anybody better in, no doubt about it. Just hoping that, given the fact he's not been able to bring any of his own players in other than Anthony Knockhart on loan, that he's given the opportunity to to build his team, to start to turn things around. But it's not going to be an immediate turnaround because he's working with players that really are not his own. So he's still trying to get used to them and trying to get to know them while also picking up results to pull us away from the bottom four and, and relegation worries. I can't see Nottingham Forest being there at the end of the season, though, realistically. I can't see the drop-off from last season. Uh, we'll come on to how much impact we had on your season last season. I don't want to bring back those bad <laughs> memories, Stephen. I thought that one out, but uh, yeah. It, and that was kind of indicative of what was going on last season. It wasn't, Reading weren't the only team that did that to us. There was a lot of games where we were conceding late and losing two points because of it, losing winning positions. And we this season, it's been a bit different in that we've been conceding the first goal more often. So, and when we've done that, we, we've just made it more difficult for ourselves to, to come back and take anything from games. And that's been a bit of a bad habit. And it's gone away a little bit under Chris Hewson, but then the last couple of games, it came back again. And that's where we, we went on that run of three straight defeats. So we're playing well at times, but we're not scoring the first goal. The opposition get the first goal and it's, you know, the players' heads go down and it's, another defeat that's just kind of the tale of how it's been recently yeah I, I totally understand it through watching Redden for the last three seasons um, we've been in a very similar position it's just confidence is not so easy you can almost feel it draining out of players when they're in that position and kind of there's an expectation at Nottingham Forest to be at the top end of the table we saw that last season on the last day of the season when Reading kind of had the 4-1 defeat at home against Swansea and then you're going back it up by signing Tyler Blackett. It's kind of... It's yeah. a, we like, I like Tyler Blackett, but how's he been doing that? Well, he's not really had much game time. He started the season and then, um, as I remember right, he picked up a, a bit of a knock and we've not seen him since. But he started at left-back, even though I would have probably put him down as a centre-back. He started the season at left-back. Didn't do too badly, but... I think given the amount of players that were brought in, I think he's just fallen victim to that as well. There's just a lot of competition in the squad. So there's a fight for places in pretty much his two best positions of centre-back and left-back. And at the moment, we're not seeing much of him. But 
it might be one of those things given how many fixtures are coming up between now and Christmas and into the new year that depth might actually play a part and we do see a bit more of Blackett because I would like to see what he brings I think he, he he's certainly a decent player at this level and be interesting to see what he can he can bring to this team yeah totally I was I thought he was our best left back uh, Tyler Blackett and I gotta say after watching him for a good three or four years or however long he was at Reading he's much better at left back than centre back if you play him in a three he's okay but in a two, he's a little bit of a liability. I've got to say, Redden fans who listen to this will be saying, yes, we agree with you on that one. <laughs> <It's kind> of... <laughs> but you also brought in Lyle Taylor as well. He's got you four goals. How what have you been thinking of him so far? Um, he was a player who, when he came in in the summer, we were really happy to get him. I think just pretty much every team in the championship would have wanted him. You had teams like Celtic and there was some rumoured Premier League interest as well. And, uh, he's he's been a big figure for us. Uh, Lewis Graben, who obviously you guys know as well, I think he was at Reading for for a period, was our top scorer last season. He's been out with an injury for a couple of weeks now, um, and he hadn't scored this season either. So he kind of was still getting going. But Lyle Taylor's come in and kind of taken on that that lone striker role. And he's he's played it really well. He's like you say, he's chipped in with the goals, but his link up play and his his aerial ability and also on the ground as well, you know, he's chases defenders, keeps them busy. He's really performing that role well for us. And I think he's been a good signing. How do you think that Chris Eaton's changed it tactically maybe from Lamucci since he's come in? He's only had 11 games, so it's not a lot. No, but I think in those 11 games, you've seen Forrest looking to take the game to the opposition a bit more under, under Lamucci we were probably more reactive. So we just allowed teams to come on to us, wait for them to make a mistake and then get them on the break. Uh, and then, I mean, it worked for large periods of last season, but once we got to that stage where teams found us out, we didn't really have any, any plan or any idea of how to, to combat it. So Hewton, I think, has tried to make us more attack-minded, um, still being strong at the back and, and keeping that defence tight. But encouraging players to get forward a bit more and, and especially at home, try and get on top of teams and score goals. The only problem is we've not been able to put the chances away when they've come. So we've not been playing too badly and we've had spells in games for 35, 40 minutes where we've looked really good, but we've not capitalised on it. And that's really what's, what's put us in the position we are where we're losing games and we're not picking up points that we're perhaps deserving to pick up. You look at the players you've got in there, Harriata and Knockout. I mean, those are two quality championship players, aren't they? So I could see how there's a foundation being built there. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I actually think we signed quite well in the summer. Mm. Um, like you say, Arta was, was one of the big signings that I was very happy to see come in. Uh, bringing Jack Cole back in as well was another good move, I thought. Um, players like that, they've, they've been in and out of the team so far. So I think they're still kind of finding their feet at Forest, And obviously, Knockart is a player that Hewton knows well from his Brighton days. So I think it, that kind of link-up was obvious. And he has probably been, at times, our best player. He's just, he looks a class above. Um, and even though he's not scored a goal himself yet, he's been a constant threat when he's been on the pitch. So there's plenty of quality in there. I think Hewton's just still trying to, to find that, that best blend of players and, and what makes his best team. If there's a kind of position, we talked about your strengths there, it sounds like you're setting up pretty well and there's potential going forward. What kind of areas do you think would be a weakness for you that maybe Reading could make the most of on Saturday? 
I think the fullback positions have been a bit suspect this season. Uh, in the summer, we lost Matty Cash. He went to Aston Villa for 15 million and he'd been excellent at right back. Uh, having kind of only just played there last season under Lamushi, he, he really kicked on and is obviously now a Premier League player. So we've missed him. We've got Cyrus Christie, who's come in. Um, another solid championship player, but he's probably not quite got the athleticism that Matty Cash has got. So sometimes defensively, he's, he's kind of been lacking a bit. And we've conceded quite a few goals from that left-hand side, especially game against Barnsley. We, they targeted us down that left and, you know, that's where their best opportunities came from. So I'd say probably the full-backs and specifically more the right-hand side, that would be the, if I was reading, that's where I'd be looking to have some joy and exploit. Yeah, we've got some power on our left-hand side and on our right. So that'll be an interesting battle, I'm sure, on Saturday. I want to look back at a classic match, though, between Nottingham Forest and Reading. If you could pick one out there, Stephen, which one would come to mind to you? Uh, I think 97-98 season at the old Elm Park yeah. and uh, Reading 3, Forest 3, which I think this game was live on Sky Sports as well. I just remember watching it and it was, it was a game in which pretty much everything you'd want to happen in a football match happened in, in that 90 minutes. You had the red card for Dave Besant, our goalkeeper. So our centre-half, Steve Chettle, ended up in goal. Uh, plenty of goals. And then that famous miss by Steve Stone, the sitter, where he somehow skews it wide with the goal at his mercy. It was just an incredible game in, and I think one that both sets of fans probably now will still remember and remember watching it. Yeah, totally. what crazy that Steve Stone uh, miss has just gone down in legend, hasn't it? It's just, <laughs> I don't know how he's managed to miss. That's incredible. Yeah, it's up there with the Ronnie Rosenthal, isn't it? Oh. It's that, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, England international missing one from about eight yards out. The know. commentary makes it though. I'm pretty sure it's Alan Brazil. And when you hear yeah. it, it really adds another layer to it, doesn't it? God, wow, what a time that was. I think he's a Reading fan. Kind of like the most recent one I can remember against Nottingham Forest was the time when we got promoted under Brian McDermott, 1-0. Obviously, you had yeah. Chris Gunter and Gareth McCleary in your team that night, and they ended up coming to us in the summer. Just a magical time, but Nottingham Forest. I remember once when they beat us and almost got promotion. I think maybe it's at 98, possibly. Yeah, I think it was that same season, yeah. actually. They, they needed to win to... Mm more or less guarantee promotion. It, I think it hadn't quite been guaranteed, but that win as good as sealed it. And it, it, was, a, it was a tough game, actually. I remember because Reading were fighting to stay in the league that year. So they came and obviously made life very difficult for us. But it was Chris Bart Williams with a couple of minutes left. He picked a ball and pirouetted in the box and drilled it in. And that was the difference on the day. So, you know, but I mean, to be fair, that, that season after relegation, you did bounce back and, obviously the years that followed overtook Forrest and you know went from strength to strength it's, it's kind of funny how football balances out like that sometimes yeah totally um uh, kind of yeah Chris Bart Williams I'd forgotten all about him as a player it's a real kind of like flashback what a very player 90s, uh, very 90s reference that one isn't it yeah yeah Williams. like Pierre van Hoydonk he was a quality player wasn't he yeah well, yeah brilliant uh, for us that season so if you could pick out one player there, Stephen, who over the years at Redden have had, and you could kind of like secretly have at Forest, who would you like to have picked? I think for me, he's, he's more of a recent Reading player, John Swift. I've just always 
like the way he plays. He just looks like a quite a classy operator, creative number number eight, number ten style of player. And he's a player who always seems to do well against Forest. I think he scored a couple of goals against us, and he's always looked good. You always every team has those players that tend to do well against you, and I think for us, Swift is one of those. So. If for any reason, just to stop him doing well against us, I'd quite like to sign him. <laughs> That's a completely logical reason. We've got one in Naki Wells. He scored against us last week. It doesn't matter yeah. if he had one-legged score. It is totally yeah. irrelevant. It's just amazing. Yeah. No, John Swift's a quality player, and we've really missed him this season. So how do you think it's going to go on Saturday, Stephen? Are you feeling optimistic or a little bit pessimistic about it? Um, a bit more optimistic after the results against Watford. I think Forrest put in one of their most complete performances of the season, given the, the quality of the team we were up against. So on that basis, I'd, I'd be I'm a bit more confident. I think defensively, we looked stronger in that game. Joe Worrell came back from injury and took the captain's armband straight away. And he was very good last, last night in that game. So I think we're going to come to Reading with the intention of trying to keep it tight, play a counter-attacking game and, and try and get a point. And I would probably say that would be what we'd be looking for. I'd, I'd predict a draw, but to be honest, it's been a while, I think, since we won at the Medeski. So I'm not expecting a win, <laughs> to put it that way. No, I see. I think we're going to win this one, um, but it's not going to be easy. I think your position is slightly false for where you are. I think you are picking up, and Chris Hooton is a manager who's definitely going to get you moving in the right direction. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to Arsenal. It almost inevitably Lucas Jow will score. The man is just on fire. He's ridiculously good at the moment. So thanks a lot for joining us, Stephen. I really appreciate it. No problem, no. Thanks for having me on. Cool, no problem. So if you've, uh, we'll be back on Saturday after the full-time whistle with a podcast. And cheers for listening. Thanks.